We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to postseason baseball. The Chicago White Sox begin their march to the World Series. Here to recap the big moments and analyzing the critical decisions is your favorite source of Chicago White Sox talk. This is the Sox Machine postseason show with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Thanks, Rob. And yes, welcome to the 2021 postseason. It's Wednesday, October 6th, and tomorrow the Chicago White Sox begin their journey to the World Series. First stop, Houston, as they will take on the American League West champion Astros in a best-of-five game series in the American League Divisional Series. In this episode, I asked two well-known national media baseball folks with Chicago ties to join me in previewing the first White Sox postseason series, who they think will be the White Sox X-Factor this postseason, who they think has the edge in starting pitching, bullpen, and lineup between the White Sox and Astros, and of course, Tony La Russa. First up, you've seen our guest on MLB Network and the NHL Network hosting various shows and calling play-by-play. He's hosting along with Kevin Millar on the very popular show, Attentional Talk, which you could watch on MLB Network and listen on SiriusXM. And for you Chicago Blackhawks fans, he'll be calling play-by-play for some of the Hawks games this upcoming 2021-22 season. White Sox fans, he's one of us. It's Steven Nelson. And hey, Steven, thanks for coming on the Sox Machine Podcast. Josh, you kidding me? Thanks so much for having me. First of all, are we, we, we are not related. We are not related. There are many Nelsons. There, and, there uh, are. <laughs> Just why, why, you know, sometimes this world's crazy. You meet people you didn't know you're related to. So I just wanted to, you know, I, I double will, check. I will let you know if there's an Ancestry.com <laughs> hit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we are like seventh yeah. cousins. I will let you know. Well, uh, did, did, do people call you Nelly too? Yes. Or no? All the time. Yeah. All yeah. the time. Okay. Yeah, it's the it's the baseball nickname, right? Just add Y to an abbreviated last name. A hundred percent. You're right. Good. Baseball hockey, yeah. Add the E or an er, right? (laughs) At the end of it. Yeah. Shawzer. Nelly. Yeah. Anyway, I totally derailing this segment, Josh. Back to you. (laughs) No, it's it's all right. Well, there's there's congratulations in order. First, you're a dad uh, to little Kai. So I so I have to ask, does Kai have Blackout gear ready to go for game three of the ALDS. Yeah, we're, 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 we're locked in. So he actually sat on my lap all day Sunday for game 162. 
and I like had them facing the TV, which I know screen time got it. Uh, <laughs> but that was his first taste of October baseball. And I, I really think uh, the appetite is there for more. So speaking of appetite, he's feeding right now. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, we're, we're ready to go. Excited slash nervous. Look, because I think people, they expect, uh, you know, objectivity and right. You're supposed to be, you know, Mm-hmm. a professional down the line and for the beginning of my career I did think like that but eventually it kind of hit me I think our fandom is what makes sports special for us that's why we get into this in the first place so why suppress that or run away from it Look, if the White Sox do something bad or something that I disagree with or don't like, you can talk about it. You know, mm-hmm. in fact, I think that gives us a better reference point to talk about those those things, those bad things that happen or things you disagree with. Um, so anyway, I, yeah, I, I'm um, not going to be hiding the Sox fandom uh, this postseason. Well, well, excellent, because uh, the second congratulations is that you're getting to call some Blackhawks games and. You posted a family photo on Twitter. Uh, I So my first question is, which Hawk sweater you are wearing? Because it has the C on it. And in the 90s, my knowledge of the Hawks is mostly NHL 94 growing up in Wisconsin. So is that a Ronick or a Monte sweater? I actually, hold on. Let me double check here. So is the Black Hawk sweater... Damn, was that Shelly? Oh, it could it, have been Shelly. I think I think it I think it was Shelly. I'm looking because when I was growing up, I had um I had yeah, JR was was huge for me. It was JR Chelios. Like those were the guys that we had. My dad was a big Tony Esposito uh fan. He played goalie. Um and I guess you know what we did have a whole and Makita sweater, but at that point it was it was. I, I honestly, if I remember correctly, it was Chelly. Okay, so getting a chance to call some Hawks games is this a dream come true for you? Oh, yeah, yes. Um, look, I, I think you got the four major North American pro sports. So there's four teams that I grew up loving, living and dying with, and the opportunity to call one of those, like, you know, it's uh, those, it doesn't come uh, hardly ever. Like, you know, I grew up a Laker fan, not a bull fan. Um, I'm, you know, I don't have any reps calling basketball games. That ain't going to happen. NFL play by play is its own thing. So, you know, no bears game as a Sox fan. I, I am glad that Jason Benetti as the chair for as long as he wants it, because we are in the best hands, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Hawks, you know, I honestly starting my, um, life in Rockford as an intern, I really thought NHL play-by-play hockey play-by-play period was just not in the cards for me because I was so bad at it when I was trying it in Rockford. (laughs) And so now to a decade later, exactly a decade from my time with the Hogs, uh, to have the chance to fill in for Pat Foley, who's been the voice of the team for four decades, you know, voice of multiple generations for us Hawk fans. Like that's, 
Um, it's pretty mind blowing. So yeah, I think dream come true is uh, the simplest way to put it. And uh, it's, I can hardly believe it's a real thing. Well, talking about the White Sox, I, I don't know about you, Stephen, but this season has felt like two years because yeah. the Yuma Mercedes episode feels like it happened last year. And uh, <laughs> that, that was May. And when it comes to the national media, everyone that talks about the White Sox, Tony La Russa is the most popular topic. And in my opinion, grading La Russa this season, it started out rough. April and May didn't go so great. The whole situation, Cincinnati, and then you're in Mercedes. But when the injuries piled on and the job got tougher, it seemed like La Russa was back in his comfort zone managing the White Sox. Hey, I can do this and I can get, you know, the ship, prevent the ship from sinking. And I thought he did a really good job patching together a lineup, giving the new guys some confidence to keep the ship moving forward while everyone else in the American League Central sank. How would you grade Tony La Russa's managerial job during the regular season in 2021? So I actually agree with you 100% with Tony. And I think, you know, people will recall I was a vocal critic of the hire when it happened, specifically with how it happened. And he was in a position where he was going to be fighting uphill, even though the roster was set up for him to go downhill, if that makes sense. It was sort of a, a ready-made um, built contender. Um, now he has to wear a lot of the reasons why he was going to be walking uphill specifically as does the team. Um, but in terms of in the dugout between the lines, doing the job, I wanted to be patient because I think it's easy. It would, it was very easy to kind of hop on that bandwagon, um, and just kind of <laughs> fire away at him. Mm-hmm. And look, he gave plenty of ammunition in the early goings. There's no denying that. To me, I expected a lot of those growing pains because he hadn't been doing the job for 10 years and the game had changed in that time. Um, I, wa- I did not buy into or participate in the narrative that he wasn't going to be able to uh, get along with or work with the clubhouse. Like I just thought it was, I've said this before, I thought it was super unfair specifically to TA, specifically to Tim, because he was always the guy that people in the media use. Like, well, how is he going to relate to Tim Anderson? As if TA doesn't want the same thing that Tony and everybody involved in White Sox baseball does. That's to win. So being a professional in that, you're not going to agree with everybody that you work with, but you're trying to pull on the same side of the rope. So anyway, getting to his progression throughout the year, as he's losing these, uh, key cogs, part of that ready-made roster we were talking about. I maybe that helped um, shrink the, I won't say learning curve, shaking off the rust curve for him because he had to get into it more and go down the roster. It wasn't just the 26, 27, 28 man. It, yeah, I mean we were into the 40s with this team <laughs> yeah. by the All Star break. It was, and it was remarkable how he seemingly. Um, and you have to give uh, – hey, look, the players are – they're playing, they're pitching, they're hitting, they're catching the throw, and they're the ones winning the games. But putting them in a position to succeed, feel confident in themselves, uh, throwing them back out there, uh, regardless of what had happened the, the game before, uh, just creating an atmosphere of success and a culture of comfort. Um, 
And yes, yeah, so I, I, I think that he and the staff and the players, again, the, the players always deserve um, the omens uh, portion of the credit and the criticism because they're the ones playing the game for any manager. Um, but uh, I, I think you have to tip your cap to what this staff has done throughout this year. So shifting focus to the players themselves, how do you feel about this White Sox squad entering the postseason and this American League Divisional Series against Houston? So I, I am uh, a persistently pessimistic and nervous fan because you know why? It's like, you know, under expect so everything is over-delivered. Um, yeah. It's kind of my way of getting through uh, sports fandom, and it's been that way my entire life. Like, oh, no, they're they're gonna they're gonna lose. It's okay. And then when they don't, it's it makes it it's a little bit it's a little <laughs> bit better. And I, I'm kind of viewing this postseason run the same way. And you know what? I've liked how the narrative around the White Sox has changed from the beginning of the year to now. Because at the beginning of the season, in the off season, it was Chicago and San Diego as the two sexy teams to win their respective leagues. And now here they are, and nobody is picking the White Sox to get out of the division series. I love that. I absolutely love it. Because you know what? Then it um, it kind of should take some pressure, some burden off of the players. Uh, maybe they block noise out. Um, but as, a, as human beings, I think we could admit that would be really hard to do. So now it's like, all right, boys, you know, they're the, they're the postseason juggernaut. They've been the American League dynasty. They're supposed to win. It's like, let's just go out and play White Sox baseball. And I'm glad that um, they finished strong, right? They won six of seven, eight of 11 down the stretch. The roster, in terms of the pieces and the talent, like you, you got everything. The team defense has been a concern all year. And this time of the year, like that could be, that could be magnified. Uh, you know, that's the, the consistent thing I hear from the analysts in the building. Well, I, they don't, they don't catch the ball. Well, you know, they, they're so bad defensively that's going to cost them. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of the, the one glaring bugaboo, but everything is set up for them. You know, the offense, I thought started to find its stride. You have Luis Robert poised to, steal the October stage and announce himself as a superstar. We know he know him to be um, the pitching staff again, has all the pieces, not all of them healthy, unfortunately, but uh, you got some guys going the right way on the stretch. Aaron bummer kind of finding himself in September. Like uh, we, you can, you can name a player and we can talk about it. We can really get in the weeds, but I, the, the short of it is I, I, I like, I like where the team is at but I also think they're going to lose, you know, <laughs> I, you know I, say, I say that, I say that, I say that tongue in cheek yeah. just to try and be the try and, uh, as I said uh, yesterday, channel the, the mush magic. <laughs> well, what's interesting about this particular series is that Houston fans can say, well, we won five out of seven against the white Sox and we didn't have Alex Bregman and white Sox fans could say, yeah, but the white Sox didn't have Aloy. Jimenez and Luis Robert for those seven games. Do you think that these three players in particular, Bregman, Jimenez, and Robert could play a big factor on who advances out of this divisional series? For sure. And you know, when I, I put out a tweet a couple of weeks ago, like saying, you know, who was going to be the ride or die player, 
you know, not so much an X factor, but the team, the player that each team in the postseason was, you know, needed to get going to make a deep run. And you tweeted Eloy. And Eloy's my favorite player on the White Sox. And I agree with that sentiment totally if you're picking a position player. Because if he is swinging it right, um, it's you're looking at a, a totally different lineup. Changes the complexion of the entire order. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I think if if you get Eloy and Luis, um, I, I, I honestly don't know if there's a team that can stop the Sox. Like, that, like that's how much I, like I put, how much stock I put in those two guys. Um, now, like, the, the other thing with, like, throwing out this season, it's the, the kind of the postseason experience. Right. Um, that's another thing that you keep an eye on because Houston's been here before. Everybody in that lineup essentially has been here. Um, you know, the Sox have, have not. You know, they got a little taste last year, but it was such like 2020 was so odd all the way around. No fans like you're, it was that was just a, an outlier. Um, so this is going to be a huge test, you know, playing in the juice box the first two games. Um, Gosh, my, my brain's all over the place. I'm getting away from the question that you're asking, asking because you're just thinking about so many different things. So I'll try and bring it back to, to, to Bregman, Eloy, and Luis. But yeah, like uh, I, I am huge, huge believers that those two kind of hold the keys to the car. Well, let's play a little game. I'm going to ask you who has the edge in certain position groups for this ALDS. The White Sox, Astros, or Push, if you do think that they are even – Let's start with the starting pitchers. Who do you think has the edge between the White Sox and Astros heading into this series? Sox by a hair, though. By a hair. I think the Sox have the um, have the brand. You know, I think everybody's oh, the White Sox are starting pitching. Uh, Houston, they're not there yet. Folks, maybe they should know who Lance McCullers Jr. is. I'm sure many of them do. They should know who Framber Valdez is. Maybe many of them do. And those are the you know starters for the first two games for Houston. Uh, but Luis Garcia for Kitty, though they're they're not they don't have the same cachet, you know, as a Carlos Rodon this year or Dylan Cease. Um, I, but that that's that's a really strong group. I think you know Garcia is at a point where I mean you know he was in A ball in 2019 and he's blown his career high in innings out of the water. How much does he have in the tank? You know that that'll be a factor. McCullers is is win day for Houston. Um, just given his, you know, postseason pedigree, I think he's got 14 games under his belt, some big games he's pitched in. Uh, and Fromber is just kind of like this turning into this steady horse. Um, but on the whole, I do like the Sox staff, you know, even, even if Rodon isn't 100%, the, um, the fact that you have Kopech stretched out, ready to go. And that's why I picked him on the show for the ride or die. Cause I just think if you, can unleash him um, again, that, that kind of can counterbalance, you know, the lack of health. Now, how I, again, I've been dealing with the, the little fella today. Have, have the Sox put out their starting order yet? Okay. They haven't. Yeah. Well, Rick uh, let Con- me ask you this, Josh, because sure. I, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say Rick Khan is doing some gamesmanship. The white Sox will yeah, announce Thursday at 10 AM on who their roster is going to be. Okay. Right. Okay. So we won't know who's starting game one until Thursday at, at 10 a.m. Then I do think it's, you know, all year it's been Lance Lynn. 
all year. It's been Lance Lynn, game one starter. He's your he's your horse. Um, Cy Young candidate, Lance Lynn. Uh, now I think it's a question. Now I think it's a question of do you throw Lucas game one and Lynn game two? Um, how would you answer that question? I'm genuinely curious. I learned I've learned a lot from you and Jim throughout the year on Sox Machine. So I you help me here. So Jim and I both agree Lucas Giolito would be the way to go, especially with how well he performed in Oakland. You know, Lance Lynn is a steady horse, and I'm very happy the White Sox signed that contract extension with Lynn because it just seems since he's joined the Texas Rangers and he's kind of evolved into the state that he is, he's someone that you could count on to be a horse during the regular season. But Giolito has this extra gear about him that the bigger the opponent, the tougher the matchup, he elevates his game. So if you give him the ball game one and say, can you steal this game against McCullers? I think Giolito has a chance to be lights out against Houston. And if the White Sox are able to beat McCullers in game one, that's going to make them really sweat in game two. That is a must win for them. Because I think everybody in the baseball universe knows it's hard to win on the south side of Chicago this season. And if you're 1-1 or down 0-2 for Houston, uh, we might be talking sweep on Sunday uh, for the White Sox. So I think I would go Giolito game one and see if he can make that step forward and hit that same type of performance that he put on in Oakland where he had six perfect innings. I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. And we haven't had the conversation on the network yet, but I do, I, I get the sense everybody is assuming that it will be or should be Lance Lynn. And I'm like, eh, folks, I, I, guys, I think, I think it's, I think it's gotta be Gio. Um, just with how he's performed, not even, not even, you know, last season in the post, as, as you referenced, just kind of most recent form mm-hmm. and how he's looked down the stretch. Um, so yeah, I, I would go, Lucas game one as well, because if you can, uh, you know, shut up the juice box, which it's, it's, that's going to be a tough atmosphere to play in. But if you steal, if you steal game one, especially as opposed to like getting that lineup on the other side, rolling, there are no holes in that lineup. There are no outs in it. And the last thing you want to give them is just like blood in the water. Um, I, I think game one is like it's not a it's not a novel original concept to say game one is huge, but it, with this series with these two teams, I, like I'm putting so so much weight on kind of stealing that first one. So I'm with you on Giolito. So yeah, to wrap it up, I, I like I like the Sox rotation by by a hair over Houston. At Bullpen's not even close. Well, okay, so for bullpen, uh, who do you like? I, I it's the Sox. I you know Roflo Robert Flores, um, one of the hosts of MLB Central. Houstonian diehard Astros fan, you know, the, the, the bullpen makes them nervous. Now they address it at the deadline. And so now you kind of, you do, you have that prototype bridge, you know, Stanek to Graveman to Presley. Um, but, you know, the, the, having that back three is, is big, but you're going to need other people to contribute to get through October. And I just think that the stocks have more, more arms to throw at you. And again, like now that if now that after seeing Aaron Bummer in September, I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, like this, that, that's, that, that is, that's like a sneaky under the radar X factor. Um, Cause instead of just being like, okay, you know, Garrett come out of the pen and throw gas in the left side. Uh, 
you know, having, having Bummer there, you know, they couldn't hardly touch him, you know, his last two weeks of appearances. So, um, yeah, between him and okay, look, the bridge to get there has not been sturdy uh, for the Sox as down in the second half. Well, that much we know, but in terms, if I'm putting stacking up next to each other, and even putting bias aside, I, I I do have to give Chicago the edge. So then, offensively, these two lineups are deep. Which bats do you like better for in this series? Houston, Houston. Yeah, I just think, um, and that's not because I don't think the world of the White Sox lineup. I mean, we've been talking, you know, all afternoon here about you know Eloy and Luis, and you throw in a red hot Yaz. You know, you have the heart and soul with T.A. and Jose. Um, and you're like, wait a second, how do you not pick that lineup? But Houston is the best lineup in the league. You know, you look at weighted runs, created plus. I mean, basically every single player is at 120 or above. Mm-hmm. The way that they control the strike zone, um, they have to drive pitchers crazy because um, they command everything. They crush fastballs. They're among the league leading teams in crushing and hitting non fastballs. Uh, I mean, you've got pop, you've got experience, um, you got patience. Um, you know, they don't have, they don't chase. Um, you know, talking to Dan O'Dowd, you know, one of our analysts, you know, he's big on controlling the zone uh, this time of year. I'm, I'm sure he talked about it um, when he was on air the other night, but. You know, he was talking about how uh, the White Sox typically, when they pitch, they like to live away. They like to they like to work away. Um, the Astros are great on the outer part of the plate, and so can the White Sox work in and command the inside part of the plate. Um, I so we're talking about all these things because Houston is so dangerous and scary. How healthy is Michael Brantley? We don't know. Um, Okay, I I would just I would I would I don't know if you can curse on this website so I, or, or on this podcast <laughs> rather so I won't I would I would lose my stuff if if Brantley has you know game changing knocks against the, against Chicago because I know we were among many on the south side clamoring for him to be on uh, added to the team last offseason but anyway I yeah Houston's lineup is terrifying it's terrifying. Yeah, you, you mentioned Aaron Bummer. I think that is one of the key matchups in this postseason because we're going to see Aaron Bummer yeah. against Michael Brantley. Can Bummer shut down mm-hmm. Brantley in the high lever situations? If he can, that could really help the White Sox go a long way in winning this divisional series. Uh, so my last question then, after we broke down as far as the, the three big position groups. Are you allowed to make a prediction mm-hmm. on who will win this series or are you trying to stay yeah. impartial? No, no, no. I, again, I, I did a bracket on the air the other day. I have Houston winning the pennant. Okay. And, but let me, but let me, <laughs> but let me, but let me explain before the year, our preseason picks I had, I, it was like, who's the biggest obstacle to the White Sox, Minnesota twins. So what did I do? I put the twins in the world series and what happened to the Minnesota twins, (laughs) the biggest disappointment in baseball. So here we are, even the postseason, who's the biggest obstacle 
it's the White Sox. It's the first team. If you don't win the first series, you're done. So yep. it's the Houston Astros. So I'm putting the Houston Astros <laughs> in the World Series. Mush magic. Let's go. Astros sweep. <laughs> and then and then and then we let the Sox do what they do. Again, there's a method to this madness. There's a method to this madness. I um, like it. The reverse no, I, I actually, I, this is Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Simply put, that's 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 what I'm going for here. It's going it's going to be an awesome, awesome series. I think the wild look the wild card matchups are generating a ton of attention. Um, rightfully so, because you have Boston, New York, and then you have LA St. Louis as yeah, the two wild card games with all the intrigue that come with that. Like Scherzer and Pools against the Cardinals. Like there's just so much there. I get it. But the the series that are set right now, Houston, Chicago, and Atlanta, Milwaukee, I think regardless of who wins um well maybe if la san francisco division that would be pretty good but i do think that the two series that are already set are going to be the most competitive ones that we see in in any in any of the four um i just think that they're the matchups are so great and even um and then this when you get the the managerial excellence i mean both teams the Sox and the astros they got a manager of the year they got a cy young they got a, a, an MVP. They got a rookie of the year. It, 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 this series, as Stefan would say on SNL, has everything. So, um, yeah. Well, it's going to be awesome. You can watch Steven on MLB Network and NHL Network. He hosts Attentional Talk, which I always have on weekday afternoons. And you can follow the show's Twitter account at Attentional Talk and follow Steven White Sox fans at Steven Nelson. And Steven, good luck with the MLB postseason coverage. And I know you're going to do an awesome job calling the Chicago Blackhawks games. Can't wait to watch you on TV during the Hawks season. And uh, thanks so much for joining the Sox Machine podcast. Okay, Josh, a few things. Okay, first of all, make sure whenever I'm filling in on the Blackhawk game, just hit have the mute button at the ready. It'll <laughs> add to the entertainment of the broadcast. Just be ready. Volume, to, volume down, and I sound great. Uh, secondly, Thank you so much for having me on. And I, I meant what I said earlier. I, I you and Jim, like I, getting in the weeds of Sox Twitter, one, kind of dangerous, but two, <laughs> but two, very awesome because I, I, I love, I love being a part of this fan base so much, and they have so many, like brilliant baseball minds. Um, and if fans want the knowledge, it's it's there from their own, and. You are two of the people who give that. So thank you guys for the work that you put in, like tireless work. You're always doing something. And it's like, wait, they're they're going, they have another puck. They're doing another hangout spaces thing. Like when when do they eat? Um, <laughs> but but thank all all that to say, thank you so much. And hopefully it's it's a fun postseason ride for us here. Not gonna We'll take a quick break for a word from our sponsors, but coming up next, Mike Farron of MLB Radio and the pre- and post-game host for the Arizona Diamondbacks joins me next to talk about covering the 2005 World Series run at WGN Radio and his thoughts about the White Sox chances this postseason. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Join us now on the Sox Machine Podcast is the host of Power Alley, which you can hear on Sirius XM MLB Radio along with Jim Duquette. He's also the pre- and post-game show host of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Before that, he worked for WGN Radio in Chicago, so he knows something about covering postseason baseball in the Windy City. Let's welcome in Mike Farron. And hey, Mike, thanks for joining the Sox Machine Podcast. Josh, it is a pleasure to be with you. I'm excited. Anything I can do in my hometown, I'm excited about, so... So you were at WGN in the mid-2000s, which obviously overlaps the White Sox winning the 2005 championship. What was it like covering that World Series? Oh, man. I mean, as somebody who grew up knowing what the postseason droughts were for, for you know, both the Cubs and the White Sox, I mean, and remembering, you know, 83 and 84, um, you know, it was it was really pretty cool. I mean, like, you know, the, the, I got into baseball like when I was six, six, you know, seven years old. So it was like 1983. And so um, knowing about the winning ugly socks and watching that team and going to see them play was like one of my introductions to baseball. And when I really became obsessed with it. So, you know, you start to learn then about the history. Right. And you know that it's been since 59 since they've been to the World Series. You remember 93 when it felt like they had a really good team. You remember mm-hmm. 94. I mean, everybody talks about, you know, the Expos losing out of 94. The White Sox Indians race that year would have been epic down the stretch. And that White Sox team was good enough to win the World Series. So, like, you, you miss out on all of these moments that they've had, you know, 2000 when, when you know, it seemed like Pinella kind of. Um, messed with with um jerry manuel in the playoffs like all of those things came back so watching it unfold watching that team which i think won something like its first eight or nine series of the season like just the way that they played and then seeing them get over that hump you know in beating boston in in you know the three game set you know the 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 tataguchi home run right like in the tony mm-hmm. graffinino tony graffinino committing an error right <laughs> like that helped to open the floodgates for them in game two and watching being at fenway to see el duque come into the bases loaded jam in game three and then you know watching pierzynski steal first and 
everything beyond that and Canerco's grand slam in the, in, you know, game was a game one or game two, I guess it was game two when he hit the grand slam right in the world series. Yes. Like those were moments that were like, I, I still cherish because he, they were like, that was, that was huge. Like it was enormous. Like the, the white Sox mattered at a different level in 2005 because there hadn't even been a world series game in Chicago since 59. So being able to be at that, being able to cover it, being able to see them, you know, eventually build the statue of Jeff Blum. (laughs) All of those things were really neat as a Chicago and and as a reporter, they were a great story. I mean, even then it was so unique to have four guys throw complete games in the LCS. You know, we, we were past the point of starting pitchers going, you know, nine innings consistently. And so to watch the way that they did it, to cover Ozzy, who was a trip to, you know, listen to to Joe Creedy and 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 company sing. You know, don't stop believing at the top of their lungs. Like all of those things are just great, great memories. And I and I remember. I, I realize I've rambled on about this for a while, but it brings back a lot of good memories. So when we were doing the stuff on the field after they won the World Series in Houston, um, Steve Perry was there. <laughs> Steve <laughs> Perry was on the field, right? And so like I I was getting people on the phone with Steve and Johnny who did overnights for a bazillion years in, in, uh, at WGN. And, and, you know, Steve King is a huge White Sox fan and Johnny was so excited to talk to players and all that, but I handed the phone to Steve Perry and Steve is like, Steve King is a huge musician, right? Like, mm-hmm. like one of the first times that I ever, um, filled in on their show, it was, um, um, Oh gosh, why am I blanking on his name? Um, the guitar legend passed away in his nineties. Um, like Fender Stratocaster, like BB uh, King. No, 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 no. It was um, golly, why am I blanking on his name? You know, the thing is, is I know music. This is really um, embarrassing. Um, but it was, it was like, uh, it, it was um, golly. Um, at any rate like called in the middle of the night, like out of nowhere to talk about like, you know, somebody who had just passed away. And so like, this is really embarrassing. It was Les Paul. That's who it was. Not that Les Paul calls in the middle of the night, right. Out of nowhere. And so like the huge music fan, huge White Sox fan, them interviewing Steve Perry was kind of one of those moments that I'll ever, I'll always take away from it. So I know that's a rambling mess of stuff, but then I am a rambling mess of a human. So. <laughs> well, that's a great story uh, to bring to the present for you. The Arizona Diamondbacks, uh, clearly they didn't have the season they wanted in 2021. They are going to be popular next July with the Major League Baseball draft as they'll pick second overall. What do you think the next course of action is for the D-backs? Are they entering a rebuild? Um, Yeah, I, it's tough to say rebuild, entirely rebuild, because I think that they're not a team that ever is going to intentionally punt a season. I mean, that wasn't their, their plan this year. They knew they needed a lot to go right for them to compete for a playoff berth, but they felt like they were going to be a competitive team. And so losing, um, you know, losing 110 games wasn't part of their plan. That said, they have a lot of younger players that either got their first taste of the big leagues or are getting closer to the big leagues, especially on the pitching side. Now that their double a rotation was pretty talented. Um, that they're going to start giving those guys opportunities. So I would say that it's probably more like a middle ground. And if they could achieve something like what San Francisco did, I think that that's what they would like to do. They want to try it. They have not wanted to, to 
tear down to the studs in a rebuild. And so, um, you know, they're going to pick number two overall, and they have, I think, a pretty good process for the draft. And, um, you know, I think you can make the argument that that last year that they at six, they may have gotten the most talented prep player, at least best all round in Jordan Lawler the year before. Um, they get the most talented or two years before they get the most talented prep guy in, in uh, Corbin Carroll, you know, who was a guy that, that could have gone, you know, six or seven spots higher. And so I think they'll, they'll, you know, use the draft effectively, but I also think that they will be active in free agency um, and that they'll be trying to build a, a team that, um, you know, addresses the, the, some of the fundamental deficiencies that they had in 2021 a little better than this one did. So I enjoy listening to you and Jim on Power Alley, and the White Sox have been a frequent team you guys have discussed in your show throughout the season. What are your impressions of this Chicago White Sox team as we head into the postseason? Well, I really like them. I mean, I think I think you can run some parallels between them and the 05 team, right, in the way that the second half unfolded. Played about 500 ball for two months last two and a half weeks of the season, or I think in the case of the 05 team, it was like the last 10 games. And this one, it might've been the last dozen. They got hot, started playing better. Um, starting pitching dominant team. This offense has a chance to be a little bit better, especially with just the stupidity that Luis Robert showing <laughs> on a nightly basis. Like yeah. this is insane, right? Like this guy is unbelievable. And it's flown totally under the radar, I think, because the White Sox had the division sewed up so early and also because he missed, you know, most of the year. So, so like, I, I really like their team an awful lot. I think they're well built for a postseason run, especially if they can get something significant out of Carlos Rodon. Um, you know, and I know I get that that's a big if at this point, but they have a ton of power arms in the bullpen. They have multi-inning power relievers. And for all of the, the things that have been criticized of Tony La Russa, and, and a lot of those are, are you know, certainly are, are legitimate criticisms. The guy has could forget almost everything he knew about baseball and run a postseason bullpen as well as anyone. And I think that's another advantage. So you've got this guy with weapons with, you know, crochet, Kopech, bummer, the way he's thrown the ball the last three weeks, Kimbrell Hendricks, you know, if, if they can get Evan Marshall back, it gives them that ground ball guy to be able to bring into middle innings on top of having really good starting pitching. And that's right in Tony's wheelhouse and the offense is, you know, I, I think at this point is plug and play. I mean, I'm really excited to see that matchup with Houston because I think those are two very, very fun teams. Um, and I think the White Sox have as good a chance as anybody in the American League of advancing to the World Series. I really, really, truly do. Back to Luis Robert. We've been getting this question often. Can Luis Robert have a postseason like Randy or Rosarena did last year? And my response has been, why not? If you've seen him since the injured list, uh, he's just been incredible, especially as far as the power. When you look at the league as a whole, do you think Luis Robert could have a monster postseason? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think he's, I mean, he's exactly the kind of superstar caliber player that, I, I mean, I think he could have this a similar kind of postseason while also being, um, you know, a better player in the long run than what a Rosarena is. So, and, and that's not to take anything away from a Rosarena who's had a really good year, but like, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the one thing that you can kind of pick at with him is his walk rate, right? I mean, he wouldn't walk about like 5% of his plate appearances right. this year, but, but when you're hitting 340, it doesn't matter nearly as much. <laughs> and yeah, is he exploitable, um, you know, for 
with swing and miss, he is, but I mean, he's cut that down significantly. And I think his rate was the lowest it had been, um, you know, really at any stop uh, um, along his minor league journey, maybe outside of like rookie ball. Right. So, so like, I, I think he absolutely could take over a series. I think he's going to be a guy. The, the thing is that he's the kind of guy that captures your imagination. Um, in a way that that is so unique because he just there's so many different things he can do to impact a game right so fans are going to gravitate towards him if they're just fan casual fans who only watch the playoffs because he can hit home runs into the third deck at oakland like he did last year right so Mm -hmm. clearing the train tracks in houston check he can do that he can make unbelievable defensive plays seem routine because he's a tremendous defender in the outfield and, and he can steal bases in, in key spots and disrupt the game that way. So I think, you know, Robert is the kind of guy that, yeah, if he goes off, like could be the star of the postseason because he's that talented a player. And I think he's also one that fans are just going to be like, if they haven't seen Luis Robert, which I think there's, because of the injuries, there are a number of fans across the country that probably haven't really gotten a full appreciation for him. Man, if they make a deep run in the postseason, there's no doubt that he's going to be one of the stars of it. There's a lot of history between Tony La Russa and Dusty Baker. You don't say. (laughs) I feel like this is going to be discussed a lot, especially during the television broadcast between the White Sox and Astros. It's been a while for Larusa since managing a postseason game, but he's managed so many postseason games, as you mentioned, that uh, it should feel like riding a bike for him uh, once game one starts. Do you think too much will be made about Larusa and Baker, and we could fall into the trap of overanalyzing every decision make uh, decision that they make during the series or counter move that they try to make against each other? Absolutely. there's no doubt that it's I I don't think it's good it's going to be overanalyzed and there's going to be way more attention that's paid to that than needs to be one it's super easy right it's the low-hanging fruit so if you haven't watched these teams all year it's the first easy thing to pick up on you know Dusty played for Tony Dusty accused Tony of selling wolf tickets, which is still one of my great <laughs> memories of, uh, of in 2003. They were involved with, with the, the giant Cardinals uh, Reds fight, but a decade ago where, where Jason LaRue got kicked in the head by Johnny Cueto. Like the, they have had plenty of chirping at each other and they've had also a friendship and professional relationship over the years as well. So it's, yeah, I think it's going to be, there's going to be a lot of emphasis on that. I think you also have, I mean, Tony by himself is going to be a story, right? I mean, he hadn't managed in 10 years. He's back in the playoffs right away, right? Okay, so there's that. Plus Dusty, you know, listen, I'm an unabashed Dusty Baker fan. I think Dusty Baker is one of the most important figures in the last 50 years of baseball history. I, mm-hmm. I've, and I tweeted this last week that, that I think it's disappointing that, baseball's hall of fame doesn't have a catch-all hall of fame category you know one that that encompasses everything that you've contributed to the game because dusty was a hell of a player who went to all-star games who had nearly 2,000 hits who in his prime years was you know 25 percent better than the league average offensive performer and he's also managed a team managed teams to five division titles in what five different years mm-hmm. five different teams to, to division titles eight division championships overall a, a national league pennant and nearly 2000 wins as a manager like i think you can start 
picking at little things about Dusty as a manager or as a player, and it starts to to chip away at what you have in the hole, which is a really, really important figure. So I think all of those things will come into play. I think they'll all be factors. I think Dusty's bullpen decisions that have backfired him on the postseason will be first and foremost in everybody's mind. I think, you know, the just Tony being Tony is going to be at the forefront. And I hope it doesn't it doesn't take away from, you know, on the white side case, I hope it doesn't take away from the talent that they have on the field In the Astros case. I hope it doesn't take away from what's a really interesting transition that they're going through because they have a very, very young rotation, but one that is really, really interesting. And they have Carlos Correa who has put up uh, like second tier MVP caliber season where, you know, he should be in that like five to 10 range in the voting. And, you know, they haven't had a healthy Alex Bregman for most of the year. Altuve still, you know, hit 30 homers, right? They, they still have a ton of talent. Um, and, you know, and I'm sure that the trash cans are going to come up. The banging scheme will be there because the, why wouldn't it be? Because that's part of the, what this group is still going to have to deal with their entire careers. But on the field from a talent level, I think this is as good a matchup as you can get. I'm, I'm, I'm super excited to watch them square off. All right, so let's play a little game. I'm going to ask you about a particular position group between these two teams previewing this series. Which one do you like better? I am going to allow you to say push if you do think, honestly, that they are equal. So let's start with the starting pitching. Who do you think has the edge, the White Sox or the Astros in this series? I mean, I I like the the Astros starters, and McCullers is tough. Um, And Framber Valdez is really underrated. That guy is very, very good. But I'll take the White Sox starters, I think. You know, I I have some question marks about Luis Garcia just as a younger starter and, you know, what it's going to look like um, against a high-powered offense. Um, So, like, I think think there are some things to look at with Houston. You go, okay, it's a talented group, um, but I will take the White Sox. I have no no qualms about Lance Lynn. I don't care how his knee feels. He's going to power through it the the entire postseason. I'll, I'll take the Sox. All right, moving to the bullpen, who do you think has a stronger unit? Yeah, so I, I think it's the White Sox as well. I mean, I think they have the advantage pitching-wise. I think I know Kimbrell hasn't been locked down, but I think the Kimbrell-Hendricks at the end of games, and especially with Hendricks' willingness to pitch you know, three innings every single day if he has to to win, um, is going to be an advantage. And that's not to say that that – you know, Houston's isn't good. They have a lot of different options that, that Dusty can go to. And Presley's been a pretty solid ninth inning reliever, but I just like the high end high velocity uh, arms that the White Sox bring out there a little bit better than I like what, what um, they have in Houston. Both lineups are pretty deep. Who do you like as far as when it comes to the bats between the White Sox and Astros? Yeah, I, I like Houston's better. And the reason is, is that, they're, they're kind of like the archetype offense of what everybody is looking for, right? They're patient. They don't strike out, but they still hit for power. It's a very difficult lineup to navigate. And we touched, touched on some of the stars, but Jordan Alvarez is a very good offensive player. Michael Brantley, you know, he can be a real mm-hmm. pain on the backside. You're right. I mean, like, would it surprise you? Like, if the White Sox lose the division series, would it surprise you if, like, Michael Brantley was the major reason why without oh, hitting no, a home yeah. run? No chance, right? Because that's the kind of hitter Michael Brantley is. Kyle Tucker's had a tremendous season for them. Um, so I think offensively, I give them a little bit of an edge there. And that's, again, not to take anything away from the White Sox talent. And the White Sox has some interesting guys as well, but I think that you can, you can pitch to the White Sox lineup a little bit better 
then you you can pitch to the Houston lineup, and and it's a really really talented group. So, what do you think is going to be the deciding factor that decides who's going to win this divisional series? And move on to the American League Championship Series. Whoever wins three games, Josh. <laughs> Um, I, I think it's going to come down to, I mean, I, I think it's going to come down to, it's going to come down to the, who manages the middle. Well, I shouldn't say who manages, which pitchers have better success in the middle parts of the game. So you get that third time through the order, you know, what do you do with Giolito and Lynn? You know, where do you um, trust, um, you know, Kopech and Crochet to have an impact? I think that's really interesting. I think it's it's similar for um, Houston in that they have they have fewer like multi inning options that are available to them in that regard. But you know how does Dusty match up against you know once you get into like that fifth inning or sixth inning, you know let's say you've got McCullers on the mound and you try to make that decision is is okay? Do you want to go and play a matchup here? And then if you do, you know how does that guy perform? So I think those are some of the decisions and, and we're going to put a lot on the managers in that and decision-making to me, it's about pitch execution from the relievers because both teams have quality guys in those spots. So who's going to win those matchups that when, you know, the starter is not necessarily on the ropes, but, um, but getting towards the end of their outing and there tends to be a rally in the middle there. Who's going to make the pitches when they have to, I think is going to be a big part of this series. Are you brave enough to make a series prediction between the White Sox and Astros? No, and I'll tell you why. Because <laughs> I'm I, so I cover the ALCS for us this year. Okay. So so I I have to, I feel like yeah I have to stay extra impartial. <laughs> that said, my niece's fifth birthday in Evanston is on October seventeenth. Well, so. there you go. <laughs> Well, hopefully you will be in town for your niece's fifth birthday. Uh, you can follow Mike on Twitter. He's at Mike underscore Farron. You can listen to him on Sirius XM MLB radio as he hosts the Power Alley with Jim Duquette. And as he mentioned, he'll be covering the American League Championship Series as well. And hopefully that will be some of those games will be in Chicago. Mike, this was awesome, and I'm glad that we finally got you on the show. Thanks for coming on the Sox Machine podcast. Oh, man, I'm thrilled to be with you. You know you know how I feel about White Sox fans. They're some of the best in baseball, and so um, it's going to be an exciting run. So just I, I make sure that your fingernails are nice and long because you're going to be biting them for the next month, hopefully. That will do it for this episode of the Sox Machine podcast. Huge thanks to Steven Nelson and Mike Farron for joining me to preview the American League Divisional Series. Here's what's on tap for the Sox Machine podcast and our other multimedia content this week. Thursday, October 7th, we'll have a Twitter Space pregame show starting at 2 p.m. Central Time. Follow me at Sox Machine underscore Josh for that Twitter space. And you can also follow us on Twitter at Sox Machine. 30 minutes after game one, we'll be streaming live on Sox Machine Live to recap that game at youtube.com slash machine and also on SoxMachine.com. Friday, October 8th, we'll have the Twitter Space pregame show again at 12 p.m. Central Time. 30 minutes after Game 2, we'll be streaming live again on Sox Machine Live. Saturday, we have the day off, and on Sunday, October 10th, the Game 3 home game for the Chicago White Sox, the Blackout, 
we'll have the Twitter Space pregame show at 4 p.m. Central Time, three hours before first pitch because we got to get to the game. One hour after game three, we'll be streaming live again on Sox Machine Live. We've got a lot of content coming at your way on Sox Machine. A big part of why we can do this is big thanks to our listeners like you and our Patreon supporters. If you are not a Patreon supporter, you can sign up at patreon.com slash Machine. We have monthly plans starting at $3 a month for exclusive content, ad-free versions of the podcast and website, and first opportunity to purchase our Sox Machine swag like the ball caps and pint glasses. We now have annual plans that save you 9% off the monthly plans. To sign up, go to patreon.com slash Machine. If you are new to the Sox Machine podcast, you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts like Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. If you do listen to us on Apple, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also subscribe to our YouTube page at youtube.com slash Machine to be notified of our new video content. Socks Machine Podcast is a production of SoxMachine.com, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, and your home for all Chicago White Sox content. I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening.